Caitlin. You join us today fresh from jury duty. I want details so badly. I want to know everything about it. I want to tell you everything about it, but I can't because I am sworn to secrecy for the rest of my days. Uh, Can you tell me like what the room is like? What are your fellow jurors like? Do any of them have bad breath? I know this is your kryptonite. I haven't thankfully been close enough to any of them to smell their breath. I would describe the room as about the same color as a doctor's office, but even more beige and more bad lighting, if you can imagine that. We do get to keep little booklets and take notes on everything we hear. (laughs) And also the woman who sits next to me, I've never seen her take any notes. She just watches the same Instagram stories over and over. Oh, no. But, you know. Is the judge really cool? There actually isn't a judge. It's it's district attorneys presenting evidence. Oh, right. But some of the district attorneys are cute. Oh, hey. Sounds like a dreamy two weeks. Uh, Maybe I'll go check my mail, see if I have an invite. Mm, (laughs) Summons. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women making our way and meeting out justice in New York. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief. I felt like if anyone was going to be speaking up, it was going to have to be somebody like me. Faithful conversations around sexual orientation and gender identity in Texas with Auburn Peterson of Another Story. Also, getting ready for the 2024 vote with Adam Friedman, organizing an election strategist at Interfaith Alliance. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. All right. So you've been on jury duty for two weeks. We had Thanksgiving break. Now I'm on vacation. So mm-hmm. it seemed like a good time to let our listeners <laughs> do some of the work for us. Indeed. You and I took to social media last week and asked all of our listeners to submit some Ask Me Anything AMA style questions for this episode. Silly, shallow, serious, some of them interstellar. We said we'd take them all. <laughs> and we did get some good ones. And as a special treat for this special episode, here to deliver your questions to us is a very special guest. You're familiar with his work. You hear his name every week. Now it's time for him to come out from behind the curtain. Just like the Wizard of Oz, or as we call him, the Wizard of Audio. It's our producer, Jonathan Woodward. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, hey. Jonathan, I'm assuming you'll also put in the sound of an audience cheering wildly here. Okay, here you go. Jonathan Woodward. Jonathan, you seem nervous. I'm so excited to be here. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. We're very excited to have you here. We are. It's it's very fun to have you on this side of the podcast, though you still have to do your other job. And so right now I'm reading in the script that we need some theme music to fade in and indicate a transition. So if you could get on that. Okay. Before we get into our listeners AMA, Caitlin and I each have a question for you, Jonathan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't act like you don't like it. (laughs) Funny. Okay. So just so for our listeners 
pleasure. You're coming to us from Maine. Hey, hey. You used to be on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first things I did when I saw that we would be working together. I was like, "Who is who is Jonathan Woodward? What what what's up oh, with this?" And no. I was like, "That explains so much." It's so great when you Google Jonathan Woodward. He's in the Buffy verse. Yes. Man, there's a lot of weird stuff sitting around on Google about me. It keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't. I wasn't bringing that up to to have a confessional time, but you were also later on on Angel and Firefly, which I believe are both Buffy related enterprises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. I was mm-hmm. a dead guy in a box. And now, of course, you've reached the apex of your career. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good lead into my question. So, out of all of that time. What was your favorite character to play? Who was your favorite uh-huh. character to play? Was it the guy in was it the dead guy in the box? It was the dead guy in the box, hands down. Every <laughs> other part that I ever did, I was a guy in a white lab coat. It was lab coats and nothing but lab coats oh. every single time. Did you get to have good makeup? I did. I had um well, I had like vampire prosthetics for for that time it was the vampires, but for the dead guy in the box actually, well, I went to work the first day on Firefly, and when I was done, the producer, Kelly Manners, he's this, you know, like old Hollywood television producer with a big walrus mustache, and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Jonathan, great job today. Now, I want you to go home and shave your entire body. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why? (laughs) Was this just like a test of loyalty? (laughs) Wow. Well, the reason I had to go shave that night is because... Well, there was a butt double coming in. So there's this moment in the script, which I hadn't yet read because it wasn't written yet and I didn't know, but the character like jumps up off of an autopsy table and it turns out he's not dead. Of course not. (laughs) I mean, yeah, usually when a guy jumps up from an autopsy table, that's what it means. Yes. So do the stuff, shave the thing, go into work. And when I get to work, I go into the makeup trailer. Mm-hmm. And there was a makeup artist whose job it was to airbrush my whole body. And I mean, like on her hands and knees going all the way up and down my my legs. And then I found out it's because when I went to set, they had just finished shooting my butt double, who was (laughs) in many ways way better uh, built than me, like in all respects. (laughs) (laughs) And, And viewers could tell. Yeah, that's not. That's not him. That's not him. <laughs> All right. So, pivoting to your much more interesting job now. Yes. What do you love about your job now and about Saved by the City? <laughs> I know you're going to say, "What do you love about us?" <laughs> blah blah blah, Jonathan. Let's get this back to. Let's get to us. us. <laughs> Tell me what's personally surprised or challenged you as you've worked on Save by the Sea. Okay. So there's like three things. One is how significant it's been to be listening to all of the conversations that you've been having for like the last two years. Mm -hmm. Two years worth of learning very deeply about what it's like to have something betray you and what it's like to row against the tide of your community. It's that you're struggling almost with yourselves because mm. I've really learned how deep it goes. Like it's not, it's not just a practice. It's not just a faith. It's so fundamental. And I guess, I guess 
we know that sort of thing intellectually, but it's remarkable to see people so completely engaging with that kind of self-reflection. And normally people just lock themselves up in therapy. I mean, we do that too. This is our <laughs> therapy, aren't you? <laughs> um, another thing is that over the last two years, I've had an opportunity to really, really reflect on womanhood in a way I don't think I would have otherwise. Mm. It's led to it's led to changes for me. It's led to evolution for me. I think, uh, Roxy, you'll remember a couple of months ago or something, we were on a call. We were just like, blah, 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 and doing the thing. Okay, you're going to do that, and I'll do this, and we'll send that to each other later, and that'll be great. And, and we were hanging up, and I said, okay, thanks, babe. <laughs> Bye. And I, <laughs> it's just like, ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And I thought about that. It sat with me for like an hour. And I, I just like jumped on Slack. I was like, uh, so about the babe part. I'm sorry about that. And um <laughs> Wait, did Roxy say anything? No, she didn't say anything. But something but part of you was like <laughs> I freaked myself out. <laughs> I, that's the that's the world of, of butt doubles in Hollywood. You can't do that in Christian podcasting. Correct. Actors are always hanging out with each other in their underwear and, you mm-hmm. know, like air kissing all the time. And mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of babe that goes on. There's a lot of babing. And um, there's a lot of closeness mm-hmm. and feeling and touching. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like tensing up as I'm saying this. <laughs> Caitlin's preferred mode is Zoom. Yes. <laughs> D- different vibes, <laughs> safe to say. Different <laughs> vibes. Yeah. Um, I also have had an opportunity to sit with, sit and listen to people who are sharing stories about various kinds of trauma they've experienced in church settings and recognizing and, you know, internalizing the things that happened to me in my youth group with my youth Mm -hmm. pastor when I was a kid, which were... Mm -hmm. Which were, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I've been trying to say these words out loud. It's very difficult to do it. But um, he yeah, he was inappropriate with me. He, um, he sexually assaulted me. And I, 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 it really wasn't until we were doing all of these episodes that at a certain point, I honestly, I was like, I was always sort of like, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, that was that. And then I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, no, that happened. Mm. That's what that is. That's a thing that happened. And I just never put myself in that category before, but it was. Mm, yeah. I remember when you shared that with us. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really hard to hear that that had happened to you. Mm-hmm. It was hard to uh, just finally accept that that actually had happened. Mm-hmm. It was a bewildering thing. It was such a confusing thing because it didn't mm. feel like a violation. It felt like, like, oh, oh, uh, okay, what's happening here? You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know what? I, I have to thank you guys for that. That was that's huge for me. Well, thanks for sharing. Thank you for sharing all of that, Jonathan. Yeah, because I mean, we're you really could've... grateful for you. Yes, <laughs> I mean. Roxy and I have said multiple times over the last two years, there's absolutely like the magic that you bring from a production standpoint, the humor and like the music and the vibe, it wouldn't exist without you. And it's obvious that 
you know, we wouldn't be able to go vulnerable <laughs> in our recordings if we didn't feel safe with our producer. Mm -hmm. And so just thank you for allowing us to entrust a lot of life and a lot of our story to you. Oh, every time one of those things comes out, like it's just such a gift, you know, like when we started this, like I fully was like, bear your soul, do it. Tell us all your secrets. <laughs> you we were like, and, word uh, for word, I remember that. Yeah. And then I was like laying up all night going like, I don't believe I have to say stuff tomorrow. That's ridiculous. How dare they? <laughs> well, thank you for going on this journey with us the last two years and for however many years into the future we continue this endeavor. All the years. All the years. I have questions for you guys. Oh, yes. Fine. We're ready, mostly. Okay. Sometimes in this thing, we have this sort of rather clinical remove when talking about faith because that's just part of, I think, the way you you work with it as journalists and as intellectuals mm -hmm. and as thinkers. Mm -hmm. However, I start to wonder sometimes, do you ever think about the podcast? I know you think about it as a journalistic exercise, but mm -hmm. do you think about it as a faith exercise as well? Hmm. Okay, was that as scary? You're rocking back and forth. No, I'll go first. Yeah, Caitlin's like literally. Caitlin, Caitlin is now in a fetal position. She has. We I no longer see, see her. The beads of sweat are. I will go first while Caitlin collects herself. I did not start out that way. At the beginning of this, I thought this will be fun. I'm excited to just shoot the breeze with Caitlin and talk about things that we care about, but also have some fun. And I underestimated the amount of transformative work that would happen just by the exercise of processing this stuff together. And yeah, I mean, I think there's times when I'll come into it and, and, I'll, and I'll maybe have done some research for the topic or read something or worked on the script and I'm like, I've got this. And then in the middle of an episode, it'll suddenly like hit me and I'll be talking about something I wasn't expecting to talk about or be having um, some kind of a realization or an epiphany or whatever. And that wouldn't have happened without, without this forum and without these conversations and without you two. So I do think that there's ways that that has deepened my faith and also forced me to reckon in real time with um, difficult ideas or difficult moments um, that I might have been tempted to, you know, just ignore or go out to dinner and hang out with friends instead and just like not deal with. But the podcast doesn't really let me do that. So it's definitely been an act of faith, both in the sense of like stepping out in faith and also in the sense of like deepening my faith. Caitlin? <sighs> The first part of my answer is more intellectual, but I swear that I will like drop in. <laughs> um, so my intellectual intellectual part of the answer is that even though Roxy and I are both good about like keeping our journalistic persona, the work that we're both in, or at least for me, feels like a natural extension of my faith and my relationship with God. So it, there's not a strict division to begin with. Like when we have really good conversations or when we report on something important, I'm like that. I believe that that is a good expression of faith itself. Mm -hmm. I think what I didn't anticipate, this is the more personal part. You can flag this to keep it in. Um, 
so I, I am primarily a writer because writing is how I think and writing gives me a sense of control and order. And I don't think those are bad things, but verbal processing mm-hmm. in conversation is yeah. things emerge that you could never get to in the process of writing. Mm. I agree. And we have gone places in our conversations that I was not expecting that were not scripted or that were yep. on the script, like on the page, but then you get to and you realize, oh, there's something more is happening here than whatever we crafted. Mm. And I do wonder if faith, that that is an expression of faith in that you are not in control and like God is taking you somewhere. And it sometimes feels messy or like out of your hands. But maybe that's an that's an appropriate expression of faith. Yeah. Not more than writing, but I think writing is like my easy, that's like my handedness. And podcasting is like asking to communicate with my other hand. <laughs> Doing it now, it's very awkward. It's such a good answer. <laughs> it is a good answer. It is. Did it, did, was that an actual answer to your question? That was an answer to my question. Cause the follow-up was, is, it was really about like, what is the process of having to, you know, loosen up the cogs internally that mm-hmm. led to the stories that you've given us over a couple of years? Like, what has that mm-hmm. process been like for you guys? Sometimes it just means turning off Slack so I can focus. <laughs> yes. Very practically. I feel really encouraged, though, by like, I'm, you know, of course, I'm thinking about our recent episode on motherhood mm-hmm. with Aaron Lane, which, you know, I think Roxy and I both felt a knot before recording and, and before after. releasing <laughs> yeah. and after. Yeah. yeah. But then to hear from so many women, like so many more people than normal to say, yeah, thank you so much for speaking from your experience for giving words to things that I have felt, but didn't know how to say like that Mm -hmm. feels like it makes it worth it. Yeah. And for that episode too, I had several friends reach out. I mean, we heard from a lot of listeners, but I also heard from some really dear friends who were like, it meant so much to hear you say that. And it it opened up all of these conversations um, about where we all were in our lives and some were moms and some are not moms and what that's meant to all of us. And, and some of these people have been friends for a long time, but we just, I don't know, cause you're really happy for your friends when they have kids and then mm. you life kind of happens. And, and I think it just, it, it, it created this moment for everyone to be really honest about how they felt about something mm-hmm. that has is so often um, given some kind of sh- sheen or some kind of layer to it. So Mm. I I think that's cool. And it wasn't the first time it had happened, but I think that episode in particular really showed me like the power of what these conversations can do. Mm -hmm. Those were all the questions that I had for you. No, thank you. But I did want to say, I adore this show and I adore you guys and I adore doing it and let's go make some more. This has gotten so mushy and heartwarming. This is so mushy. It's Christmas. That's what it is. (laughs) You are so festive. This time of year gets you. Guys, I started making fruitcakes three weeks ago. Are you going to send us some? (laughs) Because 
<laughs> I loved that fruitcake that you sent us. And it was boozy. It was so boozy. Super <laughs> also, boozy. Also, my parents loved it too. So got to eat it when it's very cold out. Its peak experience with that is on a chairlift, but I don't get on chairlifts very much anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen one of those in New York, sadly. But we'll be awaiting your. <laughs> Your bourbon soaked, rum soaked, rum soaked rum. cakes. All right. Next up is all of your questions. Questions that I will be asking of Roxy and Caitlin right after the break. Religion News Service is an independent, award winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. And right now, we're in the middle of our annual Newsmatch campaign. We're a nonprofit newsroom, which means our journalists depend on your support. To donate now, visit religionnews.com. And if you like what we're doing at Say by the City, do let us know. Throw us a rating or a review. It goes a long way toward helping get the word out about the show. You can also email us at sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. The State of Belief is a weekly podcast with a potent mix of spiritual wisdom, political strategy, and hopeful commentary. In a series of inspiring conversations, celebrating our diversity, and bringing us together to, in the words of the great James Baldwin, achieve our country. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. All right, Roxy, Caitlin, are you ready for we the are ready. onslaught? Bring from... it on. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. First question is from Listener Dave. Listener Dave says, what is one place in the world you both really want to experience but have never been? Caitlin first. I really want to do the Camino de Santiago before I die. Mm. Yeah, me too. In Spain. Yeah. And, like, do it real good, like, 40 days, you know, and, like, train for a year. There's a way to do it better than other ways? Well, you can, you can like, just go for five days. You know, like, you can kind of hop in and out of the trail. <gasps> mm-hmm. But if you do the whole thing, it's at you least a that. month. And, you know, your your legs and feet are messed up by the time you're done. <laughs> so that's, that's what I want to do. <laughs> to get closer to Jesus. <laughs> what about you, Roxy? Antarctica. I would really like to go. Um, I know a few people who have gone and it's a really, it just looks like an incredible experience. Um, yeah. But it's really, it's like a thing to get there, you know? So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a journey. But Be sure I would to send to a go. postcard from Tierra del Fuego when you go. Uh huh. One listener has asked, what's a book that you go back to again and again just for enjoyment or pleasure or leisure? Pleasure or leisure. Or all of the other azures. For good measure. Mm. I really like a book called Olive Kittredge by Elizabeth Strout. And it, it's based right. in Maine and it's like a small town of characters, but they're all connected to Olive. And Olive is this really sour, unlikable older woman who you just come to love by the end of the book. And it just, Elizabeth Strout does a really good job of making like unlikable characters lovable. Oh man, this is really hard for me. There are so many um, that I actually really enjoy reading again and again. So I'm going to go with, um, there's a book of poetry by Edna St. Vincent Millay, um, who I named my first dog after, Millay. Also from Maine, by the way. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. 
We need to get ourselves to Maine. That's crazy. Yes. Well, she was she was born in Rockland, Maine. Oh yeah. I mean, she lived in New York and other places, but oh, I have to get there. But Sorry, yeah, I, it's a book of poetry that I just am. Anytime I kind of want a little pick me up, I'll go read a few poems from there. She's she writes. Some of them are really hard and sad, but then a lot of them are just like really funny. And she messes with the sonnet form and. There's some really actually very cutting poems in there about like exes that are so good. Mm. She was like the Taylor Swift of her time. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Next question. One of our listeners wants to know, can you ask Josh Harris to come on this show for a gracious conversation? I'd like to ask what this person means by gracious conversation in this context. Good question, Jonathan. So... Jonathan, do you know who Josh Harris is? No, I don't know uh, who Josh Harris is. Oh, lucky. Have you heard of a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye? Oh, yes, I have. He wrote that. Got it. So when he was very young, he had this mega best-selling hit, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, the height of purity culture. He has since, he's gone on a journey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's rejected his previous teachings on purity culture. He no longer considers himself a Christian and he has been critiqued for Mm -hmm. retooling his brand around like a deconstruction brand, but people still feel like it's a personal brand that he's trying Mm -hmm. to market. Mm. Would that be uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Roxy? If someone were to ask you who Joshua Harris is, and if you'd had him on the show, how would you answer? (laughs) Um, I'm not opposed to it. I, I think he's, his voice has been heard a lot. Um, and I Mm -hmm. don't know that Mm. we need to also have the same, that same conversation with him. Um, I would rather have that conversation as we have been with people who bought into that, into the purity culture training and that message he was selling and were hurt by it. And, you know, and that includes us. I mean, I think his book came out when I was, I can't remember when it came out. Um, I don't remember being like hyper impacted by it. And, but, but all of the things that he said, I had already been impacted by, you know? So it was in the ether. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm more interested in, in, in talking with people who were kind of hurt by, were hurt by that and who have, you know, done some work around that. I will say, um, I think his is, not an unimportant story like that the trajectory that he's gone on and the fact that you know I think you talk about this in your book Caitlin like I think he got platformed at a really young age at an immature point in his life where he had no reason to be telling Mm -hmm. people how to live in that way you know as like a teenager follow up what is a guest that you'd really like to get Mm. onto the show if if asking and 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 getting okay. weren't as difficult as it can be, who do you want? Like, I, are we are we reaching for the stars? I'm reaching for the stars. Yeah. All right. I want N.K. Jameson, who is a sci-fi novelist, and she's written um, several sci-fi novels. There you go. That was good wordplay there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's won the Hugo Award for literally three books in the trilogy. All three books she got a Hugo Award for, which I think was unprecedented. Mm. But she has an amazing mind and and, an imagination. And she recently wrote two books about New York City and 
kind of created these avatars for the city and each of the boroughs. And it's a very fascinating um, look at the personality of New York City and the ways that it's changing. And I loved those books. I also love the way she really explores religion um, and the impacts of religion culturally in not so much in that book, but in some of her other books. So I'd love to have her on. I have two answers One is slightly more attainable than the other. The big, big high one, I think it would be amazing to have Stephen Colbert on. Yeah. Good answer. And maybe it's not, I don't know. Yeah. It's not that far away. We had his spiritual director. We had his pastor on, his priest, you know? We already have a connection. We have a one degree connection. I would also be curious to have on um, Michael Curry the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Yeah, that would be really cool. Who seems like a very thoughtful, generous, and deeply committed Christian leader. Mm. All right. Okay. okay. We're putting this Steven. out. In, even though we Michael, don't believe about putting up. energies out into the universe, we're putting our energies out into the universe <laughs> and hoping they... Okay, so here's a big question. Michael wants to know, do you think there's some people that are actually robots living among us? I do not. I hope not. (laughs) Um, I watched those movies, and I hope not. Things do not work out well. Ever. (laughs) Okay, Matt wants to know, what's the best book of the Bible and why? What if I what if I said like Deuteronomy? <laughs> I, like, I, just, I love just love those laws, those cubits about how the temple needs to be constructed know, with these different cubits. I mean, just open your Bible to the middle and you'll land yep. on the Psalms, and the Psalms are the best. That was gonna be my answer, so maybe it is the best. I mean, yeah, it was Jesus's prayer book. It runs the gamut, you know. You've got you've got the lamentations, you've got the praises, you've got imprecatory, uh, imprecatory. What's an imprecatory? <laughs> uh, an imprecatory uh, prayer is uh, when you you pray for God to punish smite. and smite your enemies. And that's a great word. I've never heard that word. That's I mean, it's, great it's actually very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. it's it, the, the prayer is like, smash the babies of my enemies against the rocks. Yeah. And you're like, okay. They're the things right. that you say to yourself <laughs> and you don't want anybody else to hear. You think it. <laughs> you don't say it. <laughs> Far less pray it. <laughs> Elizabeth would like to know, what is your favorite time of year in New York City and why? I mean, I think we just came through it. I think the fall Mm -hmm. is so beautiful. It really is incredible. And I actually always forget how much I enjoy this like late fall too. Mm. Like the the real crispness and the the light is interesting and the sort of half, half naked trees. And it's a nice time of year too. And the fashion is so much better. The fashion is so good. But I will say, so I would agree with you that fall is is my favorite time of year. But I also really love like early May, the first days when mm. there's still some beautiful flowers on the trees, but it's like the first days when you kind of go out without a jacket or just a light jacket and mm-hmm. you're craving vitamin D so much because you've been like inside and depressed for months and <laughs> is I don't know, this, it's this weird this is, is, is that feeling unique to New York 
Well, it's not, probably not, but for me, like, that's not true in Colorado because Colorado's sunny 300 days of the year, even if it's mm. cold. And right. then I and then I lived in Orlando for so long. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's true in Chicago, but I don't think that happens until June. But you're also doing it with all of the people of the universe, right? It's that one day in May where all of a sudden yeah. there are throngs of people. And it's yeah. like... It's like clothing had never been invented before. Yeah. Like, just like, there's just like, nobody's wearing anything anymore. Uh-huh. It's done. And it's, just yeah, wait, wait it's, till July. <laughs> <laughs> there's just something so great. And and I, I, I truly just feel that sense of like coming out of a cocoon, yes. you know, and there's just a joy and a vibrancy to it that I really love. So my theory, so yes, we live in a place where we experience all of the seasons, mm-hmm. like pretty much fully, which is great. I it think is. because we walk everywhere, we are more mm-hmm. attuned to the season, to the feel of the seasons. I agree with that. Because if you live in a place that's super hot, you're spending all your time in AC, including in the car. Yep. And if you're in a place that's cold, you're turning on your, like you're protecting yourself from the elements. Whereas in New York, you just have to walk everywhere. So you feel it more, which I think yes. is great most of the time. I do too. Most you have of the time. To, you're actually like impacted by the elements. I, we don't have to shovel our own sidewalks here, which is nice. But. Mm-hmm. All right. Listener Dave is asking, what is going on with those UFOs that the Navy spotted and are on video? Your theories, please. Dave. Uh, both of them are cradling their head. I need what you to know this, Dave. What makes you think we have theories about this? <laughs> what in our podcast makes you think that? Um, I don't have theories about that. I imagine that there are aliens out there somewhere. I think we're probably not the only living beings in the universe. Hard same. Next. Listener Joel says, okay, this is a two-parter. So let's start at the Mm -hmm. beginning. You all find lots to critique about evangelicals. So what are the things that you really like about evangelicals? I mean, without evangelicals, I wouldn't be a Christian, you know, like as we've talked about many times, this is the soil in which our faith was planted. And even though we might choose different soil as adults, like I know the Bible because I grew up evangelical. Everything I feel like I can say, I can then be like, oh, but here's the dark side of that. I mean, we, Roxy, you and I talked about this on the episode, The Great Evangelical Betrayal. Still one of my favorite episodes. Evangelicals are the people who taught us to express our faith in word and deed. And that meant grappling with suffering in the world with structures of inequality and Mm -hmm. injustices. And Mm -hmm. I think that that speaks to the best of the evangelical tradition um, for faith to matter both in word and deed in the world. I actually thought ahead about this question. It was on Twitter. And so I saw it. And I have a hard time with it because there are many things that I can name and then I'm immediately like, oh, but this is like the the flip side of that coin. This is the dark side of that coin. You know, like I think about all of the, say, like social, like the charity, the charitable works that evangelicals mm. do. So many hospitals, so many, like the refugee programs. And then I think about like the ways that those have often been weaponized or manipulated to try to evangelize or, you know, all kinds of things. So I, it's a hard question for me, but I think, I think what you just said is right. And part of what has felt like a betrayal is that the best of evangelicalism has not been at Mm -hmm. the forefront lately, but I grew up in a very loving community. I grew up in a very moral upright community. Um, I think that the, you know, 
I was taught to care deeply about everything, which, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about like that can be really difficult for as a child and there can be anxiety that comes with that. But I'm also also very grateful for that. I'm grateful that I care so much. And I wouldn't have learned that outside of having been raised in a religious environment that really emphasized that. Um, And in some ways that's felt what's been hard about the betrayal has been, oh, I, the very people who taught me that, I feel like they're now going against that. But I still believe that I got my moral center mm-hmm. from evangelicalism. And I can still, you know, I can still point to my faith and to Christianity and to Jesus as the foundation of any morals that I have. And I'm grateful for that. All right. So second part of this question is, are there issues in mainline or secular alternative communities or schools of thought where you similarly find many disappointments? Yes, because humans are in them. Progressives eat their young. <laughs> hmm Mm-hmm. They don't let them progress. I'm just restating something that Roxy has said to me. I don't know if she wants me to say it on the podcast, but like people who could be on a journey and who could be brought along are instead shamed or criticized for not being far enough. And it's like actually a way to mm-hmm. bring someone along is to try to meet them where they are and charitably engage rather than shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Jonathan Merritt said it on the episode that he joined me where he said like, so many progressives have progressive amnesia where they're judging people that were like, it's where they were five seconds ago, you know? <laughs> and mm, yes. Good one. Yeah. Zing. Exactly. Okay. We're rolling into the final questions here. Kathleen wants to know, Roxy, it was heartbreaking when you wished someone would have brought you soup after you broke your tailbone that time. Is it difficult to find Christian community in a large city where your church might be in a different borough or a subway ride away from your apartment? This is such a deeply earnest question from outside New York City. I feel like Kathleen would have brought me soup. I think our AMA for Kathleen will be, Kathleen, what kind of soup would you have brought Roxy? (laughs) So my answer to this is yes, but also it's really on you too. I mean, I think I didn't ask anybody to bring me soup. You know, I just didn't feel like I could or that I should. And I think that's part part of living here is learning your own limits and learning when to ask for help and then being and being willing to be the person that will help if somebody else asks. And I think mm-hmm. the city has a tendency to really engender a sense of do-it-yourselfness, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which I don't know that New York has always been that way. That might be part of like... Transplants. Yeah, transplants and people that have sort of cultivated this like individualism here. Like I think there, mm-hmm. like if you think about like immigrant communities in New York and... I think there's always been a sense of helping each other out, but I think, you know, with transplants from other parts of the country and a sense of individualism and also capitalism has really made people be like more on their own. And I think tech has also given us this illusion that we can. So it's like, oh, well, just order your soup on Seamless or have a task rabbit mm-hmm. hang your art for you. Don't ask a friend to do that, you know? And so I think that we're less willing to ask because it's like, well, Mm -hmm. just pay for somebody to do that, you know, which makes us less vulnerable with each other. So I think there's, there's not, the fault is not just like, oh, on the big hard city, like some of that is on us or on me to, you know, to 
be the kind of person that asks for help and then is willing to help. I would say it mm. is hard to find community in New York and, and the distance from people is part of it. That said, I'm not convinced that community would be easier anyplace else at this mm-hmm. stage of life. Yeah. And in some ways it might be harder for different reasons. Um, because one thing I do like about at least the community I have found in New York is then you, you and I, Roxy, have talked about this many times. There are people from many different walks of life and I don't mm-hmm. feel like, I hope the family slot me in somewhere. Right. But the family, the family subculture and activity is where it's at. And I just hope that somebody remembers me. That is not a dynamic that I've had to navigate in New York because there are just so many different types of people here. And yeah, I'm really, really grateful for that. Listener Brett says, name the most transformative for you work of fiction, novel, film, or whatever. Ooh, fiction. This is my happy place. Um, for me, it's Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Um, I have read many, many books in my life, and it is hard for me to answer a question like this usually, but Gilead just stands so tall for me. I mean, it's such a beautiful book. I've gone back to it several times. It's not a it's not a quick book, it's not a page turner. But the, Boring. The, the wisdom in those pages, the punch that each sentence packs is just unreal. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's an incredible. Mm-hmm. Actually, she'd be a great podcast guest. Yes. All right. I'm going to go movie. Mm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big dork and I have a film log that I keep on my computer of all the films I've ever seen in the world. Like ever. I try to remember. I love that. How long is it? How many, I'm sorry to interrupt. How many are there? I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, cause it makes me sound like a big dork. It's like 500 ish. Excellent. Anyway, I have stars next to my favorite. And one of my absolute favorite movies that I come back to multiple times and that has shaped how I think about the world is Inside Out, a Pixar Aww. movie that came out in 2015. Yes. Of course, Pixar it just knows exactly how to capture the human experience in a way that speaks to both children and adults, which I think is just incredible. And I just think it's a it's such a powerful visual for someone's yeah. personality and memories and emotions. And at the end of the movie, when the when you see the combination of a memory that's both happy and sad, it was so good. I think about that all the time. It's an incredible movie. So that's one of my favorite. That is a transformative movie for me. I'd highly recommend. I'd, hi- I'd highly recommend like all the Pixar movies except for Cars, you know. <laughs> the Cars ride at Disneyland <laughs> is great though. Skip the movie, okay. ride the ride. <laughs> okay. Good is to it know. totally wrong to ask if I'm in any of the movies that are on your 500? <laughs> just out of curiosity. <laughs> I don't <laughs> go back and check out the lab coats. <sighs> okay. Last question. Listener Joanne has this question, which is probably the most important question. So here it is. She asks, why are you so cool? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you can thank Sharon, my mm. mom. Yeah. That's a good answer. And you can thank Karen. I mean, I, I, if I have any taste, I get it from my mom, without a doubt. My mom made me fun. I think maybe I'm cool now because I realized I was never going to be cool. Like, I'm thinking about something that Annie Down said about band geeks. And she, mm. like, you know, the girl in Kurt discouraged her from joining the band because it wasn't cool. And yeah. Annie was like, yeah, but maybe the coolest people really are the ones who, like, don't give a beep. Right. Like, I've embraced my band geek. Like, I'm going to let my dork flag fly. I think that's right. <laughs> I think... I'm just going to go with it as like a given that we're cool. I like that neither of us is like, I don't know if we're cool. Yeah, we're both like, well, gosh, this is a hard question because like there are so many layers to our coolness. Exactly. I mean, what kind of cool is she talking about? Because we're cool in different ways. Um, Maybe that's sort of my answer is I feel like I'm just very interested in a lot of things and will care about a lot of things, read about a lot of things, watch a lot of things. And, you know, I think that makes at least for good cocktail conversation. I want to take her answer. (laughs) I think we're both very curious people. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean like weird, although there's an element of that. Like we are both people who are curious about the world Mm -hmm. and we are staying open to the world and like love learning new things and trying new things. And I think that keeps us on our toes. Well, this was fun, Jonathan. I loved this so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for being vulnerable. Mm. And now you have to get to work. Thanks for all two hours of this recording. That's going to be great. City is a religion news service production. The producer is Jay Woodward. Hey, hey. And the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Wyndham. Chaz Rousseau put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We are Roxy Stone. And Caitlin Beatty. And Jonathan Woodward. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. And if you like what we're doing at Say by the City, let us know. Throw us a rating. <laughs> I'm not what crying. <laughs> I, I thought of something that Jonathan said. Okay, so what now? <laughs> okay, when you were when you were first talking about <laughs> like how much you you know you like the show and it's you know it's really cool to see people like live out their faith. And I looked at Roxy and I think we both had this like old old evangelical thought of like we're evangelizing the secular man. (laughs) The end of this episode is an altar call. Did you do that thing to me? Did you just do it? We evangelized. Now that you've been stripped bare, we wanted to share some good news with you. I've been shot by the evangelical ray gun. (laughs) Did you, were you thinking that Roxy when he was talking about, like it was was so. In my head, I was thinking, how do we make sure this doesn't sound like we're trying to evangelize? (laughs) It was so like, oh my gosh, we got one. (laughs) (laughs) do you want to learn more about the source of our faith (laughs) 